So Valentine's Day may be over, but the need to say I love you is never over. You can say I love you over and over again with a meat subscription from Good Ranchers. Over 85% of grass-fed beef sold in stores is imported from overseas. That doesn't say I love you. What does say I love you is 100% American hand-trimmed steakhouse quality meat and seafood delivered right to your door. Right now, use code Dana to get $30 off when you order any box from Good Ranchers. Ditch the usual gifts and say I love you with a subscription to American Meat instead. Snag your $30 off with Mycodana at GoodRanchers.com today. With the 100% satisfaction guarantee, you can count on your monthly delivery of meat to always deliver the quality a great gift needs. Forget flower deliveries. Set up an easy, affordable, and delicious subscription to American Meat. Deliver today by GoodRanchers.com and save $30 with code Dana. Say you're the best with the best meat in America from GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers American Meat delivered. You know, I know, uh, I know real power when I see it, the Divine Nine. We're honored to have presidents, all the presidents here tonight. I want to thank you. For the, and by the way, you know, I'm not, I, I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. So, uh, I guess that's the way they, uh, that's Biden, right? That, I mean, you know, no, there's nothing else. There's nothing good I can say about it. There's nothing good I can say. I mean, I guess that's one way to go, you know, go ahead and, like, try to wrap up, like, History Month is that way, right? I guess so. I mean, there's one way to do it. Welcome to the program. Happy Tuesday to you. Your lovable curmudgeon here with you. Dana Lash and lots of stuff we're going to jump into today. And you can listen, obviously you are, from Sea to Shining Sea. And uh, you can also... Watch the simulcast of the nationally syndicated radio show. You can catch that on YouTube, Facebook, and Channel 349 on DirecTV. So, that was the president. He's in Virginia today. And not, not in, no, 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 not in, no, no, not in Ohio. He's going, he's arriving in Virginia Beach, and he's going to apparently be discussing some health care plans or something like that. Health it's the part of his Get America Back on Track tour. Oh, my gosh. You know what? You can't. Oh, no. You know why just now. You can't go. He can't go to East Palestine with that. Because it's already derailed. He can't go. He can't. He can't go to East Palestine with the whole Get America Back on Track. That's so awkward. So he's going to Virginia Beach. Yay, Virginia Beach. And so they're going to be, he's going to, it was, uh, what is it, Hampton Roads. That's the last time he went to get back on, because he's still doing his get back on track thing. And current job here, Joe Biden, they're going to use Virginia Beach to criticize Republicans for demanding concessions for raising the nation's borrowing limit. So that's what they're, this is the part of the whole budget battle. And... He's, I mean, he's, you know, they're, they're, he's pushing healthcare. He said he's going to make healthcare affordable. He's going to talk affordable healthcare. He's going to try to draw some kind of comparisons between what he's doing and what the uh, Republicans are doing. You know, it's all Republican. Basically, he's going to go to Virginia Beach and be like, Republicans are bad. And there it is. There's my speech. White boy something. I don't know. That's going to be a speech. Because, see, the whole thing is that, you know, there's, I gave you the headlines yesterday that they're cutting Medicaid. They're cutting Medicaid. They're cutting, you know, the... Sna- and th- now, I'm not bringing this up as though these are things that, you know, Republicans should start 
championing, you know, entitlement spending. I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying is that this is what Democrats have always said they're going to do. They promise all of these things to people. They promise they promise things like, oh, you're you're living wage and free college education and the rent moratorium. And there's a SCOTUS battle we're going to get into going right into one of these things that Biden has promised and it never actually came to fruition. So. They 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 talk about affordable prescription drug coverage and while well, at the same time they sit here and actually ban methods that would make things easier and more affordable over the counter. Uh, that being said, they're they don't want to cut spending. So the problem is that they don't have really any other option to put on the table to offset the increased spending that they want to do. And so as a result, that means, you know, essentially more taxes for all of you. That's that's ultimately what it's going to mean. It's going to mean higher taxes. And so they one of the things that Republicans have called for, they've called for repealing the the climate change thing, the health care bill, which we should have had the health care bill. I mean, we've had presidents campaign on repealing the health care bill. When is that actually going to happen? I know Paul Ryan kind of threw a wrench in some of that, but, you know, when is that going to happen? Uh, they want to cap insulin costs at $35 per month. Now, the Biden budget, they say that they, he, he, this is what we know. They want to cut the deficit by $2 trillion, but that's, that's all they want to do. We don't know how. We don't know how. While they keep spending? Yeah, 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 while they keep spending. Okay. Everybody better cough up $2 trillion. Because that's what it's going to take. That's that's what it's all about. Cough up two trillion dollars because that's 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 exactly what it that's well that's why they hired eighty something whatever thousand something like that uh, IRS agents because they know that they're not going they're not going to have they're not going to cut spending so they got to do something. So this is where this budget battle is coming in. It's all coming. I mean, this is it's just <sighs> Republicans better hold the line on this too. They better hold the line. So he's starting his offensive on this. And listen to this. This is Karine Jean-Pierre. What did she say? They want to appeal the Inflation Reduction Act. This is, this is what they actually want you to believe. Check this out. Audio. You know, we have the president and Democrats who are doing the work to try and grow the economy. And then we have Republicans who want to do the complete opposite. They want to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act, which is actually going to hurt the economy, which is actually going to increase health. Uh, if you think about the health, health, uh, health prices, and it's going to actually increase energy costs because that's what the Inflation Reduction Act is supposed to do. Mm, that's actually not what the Inflation Reduction Act is supposed to do. It's not supposed to do that at all. Um, no, it, yeah, it, it's it, it hasn't. In fact, it's it's increased. It's increased deficit. We have. I mean, I. Here's the issue, and you guys know this, but Democrats don't. We have a spending problem. We have a deficit problem. And what Democrats are pushing Republicans to do is increase debt limits so that we have more debt, not less debt. And. They do not want to offer any kind of spending cuts that go along with it. This is a major problem. Tax cuts don't cost, but that's how they, that's what they're trying to push with all of this. They're trying to say that tax cuts somehow cost and that that's ultimately what's going to have to happen in order to uh, make this feasible. We're going to dive into some of the particulars of this because I have... Uh, some of I have they still don't know how they're going to offset the two trillion. But, you know, we'll get into some of this. Also, what we have for you on deck today, uh, we were talking a little bit uh, about the we'll get into some of the gas stove stuff and Fetterman. 
Uh, and we're going to talk about this major, and I'm just going to give you just, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, a, a headline on it now. And we're going to dive into this problem. Uh, I talked a little bit about this, this on Jesse Waters' program. And this was yesterday evening because there's a huge issue with, I mean, obviously, uh, illegal entrants who are children who are coming across the border. So in the past two years, a quarter of a million kids, kids. Now, I'm not talking like kids who are, you know, they're 25 years old and they're saying that they're kids so that they can try to you know, satisfy the Flores Amendment. But they are actual kids who are coming across the border Two, 250,000, quarter of a million, just in the past two years alone. It's been a major explosion by themselves. They come by themselves. These are the so-called, quote-unquote, unaccompanied minors. Now, here's what's insane. And I'm going to give the New York Times a lot of credit on this. The New York Times did what we call, Kane journalism. Journalism. They did journalism. So, they did this this piece where they looked at how many of these illegal entrant children are actually making up a a significant portion of child labor in violation of child labor laws. And it's a very well-sourced, there's nobody off the record on this. It is a very well-sourced piece. I've read it all the way through and I have something coming out for you later today on Substack over at Chapter and Verse. So here's the thing, and we're going to dive into this, but let me just give you this much. The quarter of a million in the past two years, a massive increase coming across the border, right? And most of these kids, a huge segment of them, the government's totally lost track. They, they've completely lost track of them. Now, these kids, they work like, you know, they work long hours, they work in factories, you know, stuffing Cheerios in boxes, sewing uh, labels into J. Crew clothes. They said uh, only a third of these kids that are coming across the border are actually going to their parents. According to their analysis of, fat- uh, of federal data, a majority of them are sent to, quote, other relatives, acquaintances, and even strangers. Half of them are coming from Guatemala. So the parents are just sending their kids because they know that if they went, them being adults, they would all be turned away. So they hope that their, they, their kids are just going to be accepted. So yes, in the last two years alone, you've had a quarter of a million kids come across the southern border all by themselves. Now here's what's crazy. Under the Biden administration with Xavier Becerra, the former AG of California, they have uh, made it. Well, sorry, Becerra's Health and Human Services, and he's been working with uh, Department of Immigration on this. So under Becerra, with the Biden administration, they have demanded an increase in, in the speed at which these kids are processed and then just like tossed wherever in the U.S. And they said that you have to release, according to, there was one, uh, and this was uh, a, a third-party agency that was working with the government, And those were the individuals like these government contractors that would work at the southern border. When you saw the tent facilities and all of that, that's those are the people who were putting those up. One of them stopped working with Health and Human Services. He was absolutely floored by the recklessness with with the the way that they were doing it. And so uh, and there was another Kelsey Kaswani who worked as a contractor in Arizona and they were to match up these illegal entrant kids with sponsors in 2020. 
And they she, they said that they were told that they had to speed up the process. They said 20% of kids have to be released every week or you get dinged. Like Becerra, and we're going to play this coming up, railed on them in a video conference call because they weren't releasing them fast enough. I mean, the the insanity of this is that there's there's no check and balance. There's no, I mean, they said that the times over the last two years, the agency of those 250,000 kids, the agency couldn't reach more than 85,000 of them. And then overall, they've lost complete contact with a third of them. So they have no idea if it's child labor. They have no idea if it's sex trafficking. They have no idea. And remember, a lot of these kids went to strangers. Now, I bring this up because AOC went down there and made a big deal with all of these other Democrats in the squad, and they posed by the chain link fence, and they were wailing and weeping and gnashing their teeth, and oh my gosh, the kids, it's so bad. Where are they now? Where are they now? More kids than ever are coming across the border illegally, where are they now? You know, they, they talk such a great game. You know what they've done? Democrats have created, they've revived indentured servitude. Slavery 2024, that's the Democrats' motto because that's exactly what this is. And we're going to dive into this more. Also coming up, China's just approving coal-burning power plants at a, an alarming rate. We've got some energy headlines. We're going to get into some media, some GOP, all kinds of stuff. And you don't want to miss Folks, are you concerned about American K-12 through education? Are you worried about what your children or grandchildren are learning or not learning in school? So if you've answered yes, my friends at Hillsdale College have a free resource for you. You've heard me talk about how Hillsdale College understands the importance of education to the future of our country. And now they're offering you 10 free print copies of their recent issue of Imprimus, entitled Education as a Battleground, written by Hillsdale College President Larry P. Arn. This special issue provides a factual account of the issues in the ongoing going battle over education and why parents and teachers, not bureaucrats or activists, should guide what our children learn. With Hillsdale College, you can make a difference in your community by distributing these copies of Imprimus to your community. Don't miss this opportunity to arm yourself with the facts. Claim your 10 free copies of Education as a Battleground by visiting Dana4FORHillsdale.com. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. Act today and join the battle over education for our country's future. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. Is the federal government using inflation to enforce their green agenda? If your energy price goes up, they'll try to sell you an electric vehicle. But if the price of your groceries go up, the Fed can do absolutely nothing. How do you get relief in your wallet while the federal government turns us into Europe? Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Oh, I don't like this. Okay, so zero calorie sweetener. And I know a lot of you have this. It's been linked to heart attack and stroke. And it's erythritol. They say that the, that sugar a sugar replacement called erythritol, which it's like it's sweet and stevia, monk fruit, see? So I'm so glad I don't do keto anymore, which I also don't have enough enzymes in my liver to actually process a high-fat diet, but that's a whole other issue. Uh, used to add bulk or sweeten stevia, monk fruit, keto, reduced sugar products. It's been linked to clotting, stroke, heart attack, and death. They say the degree of risk was not modest. That's Stanley Hazen. He's a doctor, director of the Center for Cardiovascular Diagnostics and Prevention at the Cleveland Clinical Learner Research Institute. Now, here comes Kane and Slack going... Or it's the vaccine. Yeah. Well, it could be, but 
I mean, there's a difference between, I mean, they're studying erythritol specifically. And it's not just cardiac issues. It's also a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, like uh, like brain and neurological things. So it's not just, so that's why I'm like, "Mm, that's a little, that might be a little sus, just saying. So anyway, so McDonald's is looking at buying Krispy Kreme. Which means, I'm glad the Krispy Kreme doesn't have an ice cream machine because that means it would be broken all the time. And you know this. Like, there, it would be it'd be broken. When Have you ever been, think about this. We actually had this conversation the other day with some friends. Actually, it was with my kids. Uh, have you ever been to a McDonald's two times in a row where the, the ice cream machine was working two times in a row? I was thinking of this. I'm like, never have been. Right? Because then McFlurries is tasty. That's all I'm going to be saying. Like, the, those McFlurries are good. Anyway, so McDonald's is looking at buying Krispy Kreme. And they're they're looking at like 160 restaurants in Louisville and Lexington, Kentucky. They're expanding its test. So they had nine. They started selling Krispy Kreme donuts last October to see, you know, how it affected their operations. They're also leaning more into coffee and they're trying to get people to come and like visit more frequently. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's I'm one. You know what? How they'll get people. And this idea is for free. The next will cost you. Why don't they just like make like the McMuffin, but with the Krispy Kreme, but don't glaze the, don't glaze it, just have the Krispy Kreme donut and then make that with the, I'm a genius, genius. Okay. No, I just, I just want to eat it. That's all I want to do. I had another headline here and I ended up losing it. So I told you also that Joe Biden's going to be visiting Virginia. We're going to bring, be bringing all of that up to you as well. So you're not going to miss any of that. Uh, And additionally... The Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, her election, well, her rerun, because she's in a, she's, her chances of making a runoff are going away faster than anything else. There's a new pullout from N3 Strategies, and it's showing that the former CEO of Chicago Public Schools is leading her at 32%. She actually may be out. So we'll, we're going to keep our eye on that as well. Stay with us. A lot more in store coming up. Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members. And they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com Dana and use my code Dana at check out for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Not a consensus on what caused COVID to start. The president wants to understand that so we can prevent better future pandemics. He's made that a priority. And I just don't we don't have an answer to speak to. And I certainly so given that we don't have a consensus, it would be foolish for me to get out ahead of speculation on hypothetical situations to come. We just aren't there yet. Hmm. You know, I, I I'm going to have to disagree with John Kirby here. And that was him just. This was with all of the uh, uh, hoopla and hysteria that the left had about that Wall Street Journal report 
about the Department of Energy investigating, you know, the cause of this. He's saying, well, there's not a consensus on what caused it. I know. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Bottom of our first hour. I know what caused it. Bats. The one time that I think John Stewart was funny recently. I mean, when he was younger, he was funnier. And then he got old and curmudgeonly, like, but not in a fun way. Uh, when he was saying that that it was shocking to people that they didn't know. This was in the very beginning where they didn't know where coronavirus came from. And he was like, well, I don't know. Maybe the Coronavirus Institute there in Wuhan. I mean, it's named after it. It's like saying, and he said, it's like saying that, you know, there's a crazy chocolate spill. In Pennsylvania, where did it come from? Oh, Hershey, Pennsylvania. What? <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, it, it is. You have a giant virology bat facility. And, um, you know, you got this, this bat virus that came. I mean, you know, I'm just saying. See, I think we kind of know where it came from. Let's not run away from this. But they, they will. They're not going to talk about this. So he's going to try to talk about health care. I mean, they literally, they just, they are so mad over this because it's a conspiracy theory that's true. So they're trying to say it's not zoonotic. It, or they're, they're trying to say it was a purely zoonotic thing. Like it, it just came, you know, somebody licked a bat and it just went from there. That's not literally no one believes that. No one believed that in the beginning. Nobody believed that in the beginning. Like people, why were people worried about hurting China's feelings over stuff? You know, I mean, can I just be honest? Like, there for a little bit, like going through lockdown, I'm like, maybe I should be nicer. Maybe I should be a nicer person because I'm a bar brawler by nature. I mean, I came out punching doctors. And, you know, I'm like, I'll be nicer. And you know how much energy it takes is not good witness. So don't, you know, that's why I'm not, I'm not a preacher, not just because what the Bible says about that. Uh, anyway, but. I just, there's so much energy, energy to expend by just, you know, being polite to people like China who don't deserve it. And I say that, you know, with the CCP government, I'm just, Xi Jinping is the stand-in. It's very, like, why? There's so much energy. It's just, it's not about weakness or strength. It's just a lot of energy that I don't want to waste on that. I mean, we, we went through this whole thing. Well, maybe it was bat soup, guys. It was through the bats because the market sells bat soup and someone got that virus and ate it. And against all scientific odds, it just, you know, mutated in the human body after it was in soup and infected someone. Because now, apparently, viruses behave that way precisely. I don't know. There was no reservoir that they were able, because normally you would have, you know, if there's, if there's like a bunch of bats that are sick in that area, then you're testing bats and it's going to come back that the bats are sick, right? It's not going to be a one-off. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be a hot spot. They never had any of that. But then you had that Wuhan Institute right there. And they were interestingly using U.S. dollars that were given to them without us knowing to study bat viruses. So you would have scientists in there going, well, what happens if we make this more dangerous? Let's make it fataler. And then they're shocked that it was successful and then it goes out and kills everybody, right? I mean, what is... I love the arguments. Well, you know, we were operating on the assumption that someone would mutate this and make it 
make it kill. So that's why we were doing it. We just wanted to make it fataler so we could maybe figure out how to stop it if it did get fataler. And you didn't. I mean, that's that's basically the argument that the left has been using. I'm not even making this up. Like I was looking at all of these think pieces last think pieces. I mean, so generous think pieces. And that's pretty much the argument. Now, the yeah, and the in the what is it? The NIAID money, our taxpayer dollars. I mean, they were covering it up from the beginning. We knew this. This has all been, you know, I mean, what was it? All this audio is coming out. Tom Elliott had a great uh, list of receipts where he had Joe Scarborough going off like saying it's a conspiracy theory. You can't see these things. And then you had Stephen Colbert. Listen to this audio sound by 21. This he's mad that the Department of Energy was somehow involved in this. Listen. Now, if, like me, you're wondering why the Department of Energy is the one making this judgment, it's because that agency oversees a network of U.S. national laboratories, some of which conduct advanced biological research. No. No. (laughs) Bad energy department. No bio labs until you finish building your electric car charging stations. (laughs) Stay in your lane. That would be the Department of Transportation, you half-wit. Learn how government works. He w- he was never funny. Remember, he got his start on um, Daily Show. And he was a reporter that would come on with Jon Stewart. And then he got really, he's so, he is really into himself. I have, he is so arrogant. And one of the funny things about comedians is that I think that you have to have this quality as a comedian. You're actually not into yourself. You're driven by an insecurity. And you're just very transparent about that. And that's kind of what makes it funny because it makes their humor more accessible. Whereas somebody like Stephen Colbert is driven by a hyperinflated sense of superiority. And it just makes him seem entirely unamiable. And he just seems like an A-double snakes bag, man. He does. <sighs> Which is an actual product we should come out with. I don't know what the purpose of it will be, Kane, but I just want to brand it, you know. I mean, I, he just, he's not funny. He's all the Department of Energy. Stay in your lane. He has no idea how a govern, government even functions. But I, the press is so mad about this. So now they're saying that the Department of Energy, you're the Department of Energy. You shouldn't be doing this. But hey, listen to Greta Thunberg about climate change. Right? Or listen to people who've never fired a gun about guns. Same people. I mean, they've, they, they didn't even ask why. They're just saying, oh, just be out of here. They don't go, wh- they don't go after what the Department of Energy is their report. They just are going after the Department of Energy. It's the kill the messenger logical uh, fallacy. People are saying, well, what if the, we're going to wait for the DMV to chime in. Now, I remember one time I made a joke about this. Sidebar. This was back, like, in 2012 when I was the token conservative at CNN. And there were some nice people there that I liked. And I will say that I actually got along very well with Anderson Cooper. I don't have to hate everybody who's a Democrat, right? Good heavens. Um, but he was always very cordial, very kind. In fact, he was the one who got me hired there. Because I argued with Matt Taibbi about the Tea Party, and I ate Taibbi's soul on television. And I got hired at CNN because of it. Um, but anyway, and now Taibis, now he agrees with me. Hmm. I love it when things come full circle. Anyway, long story short, D- 
Do you remember back when and this was under Obama Biden? They were coming out and saying, oh, well, we're going to invest in green energy and the Department of Defense is now going we're going to be looking at green energy solutions and all this stuff. And then they were talking about NASA being a part of Muslim outreach and all these things. And I said, well, what are they? So if NASA's if NASA is going to be about Muslim outreach, are they going to create a Department of Muslim outreach and make that about space travel? And then it was the George Soros-funded Media Matters. Their headline was, CNN's Dana Lash, Let's Shoot Muslims Into Space. I have it saved still. And I use it as my, my desktop wallpaper on my laptop. That was their headline. And everybody, the left was apoplectic. And it's, I didn't even say that. But, I mean, it was the point was that you have all these departments that are doing things that they were not. That's not what they do. So that was back in 2012. Now it's okay. Now, no, they've totally changed. But here's the thing. It's um, what does this have to do with the report? I mean, that's the lab leak theory. I think one of the reasons why they have problems with this is because they sent out all their experts. I mean, you got to think there for a little bit. We were under rule by of experts by fiat. I mean, as uncomfortable as it is to say, I mean, I think you got to be honest about this. We were. And. I think that that's what the left is comfortable with because they are to an extent uncomfortable with freedom. They don't trust themselves enough to make serious decisions. So they always want to go back and default to the experts. Let's ask the experts. And so what this whole theory does, the theory now that's like being proven with, you know, credible intelligence and a solid report is that it's undermining their appeal to authority in the experts it's undermining their position it's undermining ultimately their influence and it's undermining that rule by experts i think that's the really the big thing and if you want to get even you know more deep drive down into it well if they can't trust the experts who are they going to trust they will never admit it partially they will never admit it because they don't want to be wrong and they they don't want to be wrong because that means that they might be removed from any kind of power adjacency but they also don't want to be wrong because i think it scares some of them if they can't trust the experts then whoo surely they can't trust themselves a lot of progressivism is is driven by actual insecurity, insecurity in oneself, lack of confidence in one's ability to make solid decisions, and really just overall illiteracy about math and science. But that's a whole other issue. But it does come down, I think, to not trusting oneself. Now, some will might say this. Some people might say, well, it's also about not trusting other people. But if you trust yourself, what does it matter if you trust other people? If you trust yourself to make decisions for yourself, then what do you care about other people? See? I really think that that's what it, there's my psycho analysis of this whole problem. I really do think, though, that that's kind of, that's sort of the issue with us. Now, one of the other issues we were discussing is this insane story from the New York Times. This massive amount of uh, unaccom- they, they're, il- they're illegal interests, but they're minors, they're kids. A quarter of a million in the past two years, thanks to Biden's open border policies, the entirely open southern border. 
And these kids are never, you know, you have the you have Democrats that say they want to make sure kids are protected and how dare you separate parents and kids. Well, you're separating parents and kids anyway, because their parents are sending their kids across the border. So because you think Democrats think that because their separation policy and by the way, the reason that policy was in effect was because and it started under Obama and then it was going under Trump and it ended. Uh, but the reason that policy began in the first place is because the government was trying to check and make sure that creepy, shady, sketchy kid touchers weren't bringing minors across the border illegally to sell them into child sex trafficking or put them in child labor, like exactly what this New York Times piece is writing about. That was the whole purpose. They were only allowed to be separated, what was it, for like eight hours? And then they were reunited with the adults with whom they crossed over. But now... The Democrats are all for child separation policies. Parents are sending their kids illegally across the border by the by 250,000 just in the past two years alone. So that's the separation. But Democrats think because it's not at the border where the New York Times and USA Today and, and everybody else can't take a picture and AOC can't go down there to the parking lot and take really oddly angled photos of herself crying then it doesn't count. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best for 4G and 5G networks, so you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Resolve now to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit patriotmobile.com Dana or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Dana. That's patriotmobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. patriotmobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, Chapter and Verse. I was looking at this video of this dude. We're going to talk about this. We cannot play this video, but it's in our hometown of St. Louis, Kane. This dude loads his gun super casually, walks up to this homeless man, and shoots him in the back of the head. Somebody's seen in there filming it. Yeah, that, it's near the St. Louis Post-Dispatch building. If anybody knows yeah. anything about downtown, there's a homeless shelter right near there. Uh, this is not too far from uh, Tucker in Washington, if you uh, are from the St. Louis area. Um, like, it took him like a full minute to load that thing. Like, he had no clue what he was doing no, in no regards to loading it. Uh, and then people were just filming it happen, and they didn't bother even warning the guy that this guy was doing it. I mean, it is, uh, there's been 25 murders so far. Kim Garner didn't do nothing. See, this is why. So to change, we're going to come back to this. But so uh, spring break, I was telling Kane, I'm like, man, I almost I kind of want to cancel my spring break plans. He's like, why? I'm like, because that I, because I really don't want to be around people. I want to go to a beach there where there's nothing there. I have a hut. I do want some electricity, so don't call it that. And I just want, you know, some rum and water. Give me a fishing pole or a spear or something. And I, and then just like ability to, you know, give me a lighter. I'll make a fire. And that's all I want. I just want to chill. Then what I say? You're wrong. 
I said you're wrong. No, no, no. What did I say? Well, I'm not going to say because that's not what it is. Well, it's totally Tell the people what you said. I said that that sounds a lot like camping. It's not. So it I'm famous sounds... for not liking camping no. because I don't like pretending that I'm homeless. I think it's a... We invented the house. It's a benchmark moment It's in not. It's a hut with electricity. That you admit liking camping. You want to be away from people, lighting but your fires and But I want to be at the ocean. Drinking. I don't want to be in the woods with mosquitoes because eh, mosquito. mosquitoes adore me. There's mosquitoes near oceans. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. I, you're, I don't know. I don't know. I different. just see this as an opportunity to nudge you closer to it's liking camping. I think so. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, yeah, I, on a beach is fine, but I camped all the time when I was a kid. So you act like I don't know what it is. It's this. I didn't say that. Whatever. I'm just talking about whether you like it or not. It's, that is my dream, though. A hut somewhere on a beach where nobody's at and a little electricity, you know, because I got to make coffee in the morning. Come on. I'm not going to heat it up. I'm, I'm, I'm too lazy to heat it over the fire. Come on. And I just want to, you know, be able to have my accoutrements. Yes. Some water, some rum. I got sunblock. I'm set. Yeah. You want to do any fishing? Yeah, my fishing pole. Oh, and I did that's that too. Camping. That's not camping. camping. That's fishing while you're resting on the beach. We have a whole other second hour coming up. You don't want to miss. A lot to get into. Immigration. This horrible video with St. Louis. So much more. Stick with us. I am fired up because I am fired up to defend student loan debt cancellation for more than 40 million Americans. I am fired up to tell the United States Supreme Court to follow the law and get out of the way so we can cancel this debt. Uh, if following the law, uh, that's, yeah, he's not following the law though. I mean, that's that's kind of the point. Welcome back to the program. We're going to dive into this. Uh, Dana Lash here with you. Top of our second hour. Now, this particular fight, ladies and gentlemen, who are joining the radio program or maybe watching on Channel 349 TV, Facebook, YouTube. This is all about this student loan forgiveness program. Now, remember, this was one of the things that Biden pushed when they were pushing the... Uh, Rent moratorium, I almost forgot the leasing and renting, the rent moratorium through the CDC, all of this other stuff. And so he decided that, you know, it's going to be great if we just go ahead and maybe also just pay for everybody's student loans. And that's, that is what he told everyone campaigning, that he was going to pay, you're going to get your student loans paid for, you're going to get your student loans paid for. Uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to be free, free, free. You're going to get all this paid for. That's what he told. I mean, that's how, what he campaigned on. He campaigned on that. It's like they were, they were buying and selling. They were buying and selling votes, essentially. Now, this whole case is coming up before the Supreme Court. Listen to this headline from CNN. Get a load of this headline. Are you ready? Ken, you're going to like this one. It's from CNN, of course it is. The headline reads, gets into, I'm putting this in Slack for you guys too. The headline reads thusly, college debt relief program rests in the hands of nine wealthy and elite people. It rests in the hands of nine wealthy and elite people. Hmm. Really does it. Clearly, the author of this piece, Devin Cole, is entirely unfamiliar with the backgrounds of some of these justices. 
Like take, for instance, Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas was born broke as dirt, super poor, pinpoint Georgia. His father abandoned the family. He grew up super in abject poverty. He grew up in poverty. And he worked incredibly hard to get where he is. Incredibly hard to get where he is. And from what I understand, I don't even think his first, when he was, when he was young, I don't even think his first language, his was, first language was English. I mean, he didn't even get, he, he, when he was born, he didn't even have indoor plumbing. He and his family were homeless for a period. He was broke as all get out. And it's not just him. Sonia Sotomayor was broke. Sonia Sotomayor came from nothing. I don't care what you think of her politics. She was born in New York. Her parents were Puerto Rican. And she worked her way up. She was born in the Bronx. And they were very, very poor. I mean, they lived in a tenement building. I mean, and they, they struggled. Her dad was alcoholic. I mean, they, they had family issues. She had diabetes. And she, was, like, she got diagnosed with diabetes when she was a little kid. I mean, they struggled. And she made her way to the Supreme Court. And pretty much almost every single one of these justices has a story like this. They came from nothing. I'm so tired of that argument being used. Because people who go to graduate school, and we've discussed this because that's the majority of what this is going to, would that debt relief covered graduate loans? You want to talk about rich? Making poor people pay for your damn graduate school. Now that's rich. And being, and being entitled enough to think it, you can demand that everyone else pay for your loans. That's rich. No, it's, if the, it shows that if these justices, and there are other justices, can grow up poor, broke, and work their way all the way up to the Supreme Court, you can pay off your own damn student loans. I can't stand that class argument. Now, I watched one operative pushing this, this remark. If Supreme Court throws out Biden's student debt relief plan, some of these 20, 30 million Americans, they're going to look at five or six justices as costing them ten or $20,000. That could drive SCOTUS's popularity still lower. Well, it wasn't SCOTUS that did this, see. It was Joe Biden that promised this. And he lied because he knew it was illegal and he did it anyway. And they gaslit everyone into thinking that it could be done. And by everyone, I mean their base. And they decided to criticize and mock and and attack and smear all of the people who pointed out the illegality of this action. They knew it was going to die in litigation. They told everyone, and they timed it perfectly, they told everyone, you're going to get free college. We're going to pay off your student loans. Vote for me. We'll pay off your student loans. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I get to have my debt excused. It's free. You don't need to explain to anyone where money comes from if you just say free. 
So they voted for him. And then that grace period of the time that Biden waves his pen to the time that the courts determine that it is illegal for that grace period, you go back and forth a little bit, but then it's in existence and it stands. So they're thinking that they had a promise delivered. And then as it turns out, they didn't. Listen to this. Miguel Cardona, audio soundbite nine. He's trying to pump this ahead of this decision. Listen. All right. You know, as the president said, we believe it's fair. It's based on the pandemic. Uh, we know that after national emergencies, uh, when loan payments are paused, when it's time to restart the loans, there's a, up to 20 times the amount of defaults that you would normally have. Uh, we want to prevent this. Who did this that? is why we government proposed. did it. That doesn't mean you excuse everyone's debt. It means you shouldn't have shut down the damn economy. That's it. So the Supreme Court, they're hearing these arguments today on this case. On this, I mean, it's like, what, $400 billion that he's appropriating to pay off everyone else's. And Miguel Cardona, by the way, is the uh, uh, education secretary. No, it's, it's, it's actually, it's not fair. And it's not pandemic relief. These are people who took out loans long before the lockdown even started. And even then, so you're telling me that because the government acts stupidly and shuts everything down, then if you enter into a financial agreement with another institution, that that means you get to demand that everyone else pay off your debt? Step off. No, that's not, that's such a baseless and stupid argument. It's illegal appropriation is what it is. And in fact, I mean, seriously, think about it. In a way, it's kind of indentured servitude. Oh, left's going to freak out over that. And here's why. Money is time. When you're purchasing something, and this is what I always told my kids to look at when you're looking at buying things. You look at that item and you figure out how much every hour of your life is worth. How much do you work and how much you get paid per hour? And how much do you think your time is worth? And you look at that item and you make the determination if that item is worth that percentage of your life. So if you want to buy something that is a non-necessity, a luxury item, uh, not even a luxury item, a non-necessity. You determine whether or not you think that item, that purchase is worth that portion of your life. That'll help get your spending in check real quick. But when government decides to spend all of our money on things like this and appropriate it, what government's telling us is they don't care how hard we work. They don't care what we get per hour. They don't care how much of our time we had to invest in order to make that amount that they appropriate. And you have to keep working to keep them happy. You get to pay a debt to government with no definite end. It's indentured servitude. I think taxes are unconstitutional and the IRS should be entirely abolished. <clears throat> but that's me. And this, I, I mean, this is, they're trying, there's no way you're going to sit here and outpour Clarence Thomas or Sonia Sotomayor. It's not going to happen. Sit down. You're not going to outpour those two. Nobody's going to be able to outpour Clarence Thomas. I mean, he was homeless for a while for crying out loud. Come on. You know what? And instead, this is what the left does. Instead of holding that up as an amazing tribute to freedom, capitalism, 
choice and how you in America, and not really in many other places in the world, but in America, titles doesn't matter. Where you come from doesn't matter. Who your family is doesn't matter. Last names, dynasties, none of that stuff matters. You matter. And if you want to make something of yourself, the, the world's wide open. The only people telling people that they can't do this are the left. Because the left needs people to believe that whatever station in which they were born, they cannot get out of it without the hand of Uncle Sam. That is how they try to control people. You can't get out of it unless we help you. We have to make these opportunities. We have to give you aid. We have to give you assistance. It is such a lie. And it is such naked bigotry. And that's what this is. It also encourages people to recklessly and irresponsibly get involved and take loans out for things they don't need to take loans out. Not everybody needs to go to college. And you know what? People need to stop inflating the importance of college. Sure, there's a lot of things that college is good for. If you're going to go into law, you're going to go into certain sciences, you're gonna, if you're going to operate on people's guts, go to med school. I get it. But the schools also need to teach. I don't want to hear about wokery. I don't want to hear about CRT. I don't want to hear, you know, med students taking stupid Marxist pledges. Then teach. Ever since Democrats decided to federalize student loans, the cost of college went through the roof. And these same damn Democrats, led by Elizabeth Warren today, ironically... Want to lecture everybody. Oh, this just happened. We have no idea how this happened. Chick, you voted for it. You helped make it happen. And now you guys act like you're going to pass that cost on to all of us. That's not going to happen. And SCOTUS isn't going to decide that way. And they're going to weep and gnash their teeth and say that this is just another example of why SCOTUS has too much power. In fact, SCOTUS is returning the power to the people by refusing to allow Democrats to push other people's burdens onto them. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So apparently it's reported that John Fetterman is back on the path to recovery after he was checked into a hospital for depression, which no one thinks is actually depression. We think it's literally he's recovering from a stroke and major surgery, et cetera, et cetera. But it's been, they said it's a week's long process. So that's all we have. He's been gone for two weeks and there's like nothing. That's it. A sitting senator gone for two weeks and that's all. I I got questions, man. I got questions. Um, I think this is, uh, this is just funny. Vladimir Putin signed a a decree honoring Steven Seagal. So they're like friends. They're friends. He signed this decree to honor Steven Seagal with the state order of friendship. And it cited what it called Seagal's great contribution to the development of international cultural and humanitarian cooperation. He became a citizen back in 2016. And he apparently got a passport from Putin personally. And he's worked as their foreign ministry special represent, representative to the U.S. and Japan. Uh, he backed the illegal annexation of Crimea. He supported the invasion of Ukraine. I mean, has, what? Why is he? Why is he like that? And why is his hair still black? Because you know that's nice and easy. Number one, I'm just saying. Um, also, this is interesting. So, from the Daily Mail, you basically have a 50-50 chance of not getting caught. Apparently, half 
of all of the murders in the United States gets solved. Only half. As homicide clearance rates slump to the lowest level. So it was 71 and 80, 1980. And everybody said that the, the late 70s and 80s were bad for crime. Well, it's like 50% in 2020. So great job, uh, prosecutors, horseback prosecutors. I'm just saying. CDC is warning about a drug-resistant stomach bug that they say is a serious public threat. Everything is a serious public threat. They said that it's an extensively drug-resistant bacteria. It's the Shigella bacteria. And they said that uh, it's become resistant to a broad swath of antibiotics because everybody wants to go on antibiotics for everything. Stop it. Uh, And they said, though, that this is made, it's like apparently resistant to everything. Penicillins, azithromycin, all kinds of stuff. Stay with us because we got 2A in 2024 and immigration. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. Yeah, here's how we uh, handle my travel. The vast majority of the time I travel on commercial airlines in economy Mm -hmm. class. Uh, But there is a portion of the time, I'd say about 10 to 20 percent, when we use our agency's aircraft. This is not chartering a private jet. This is a a government aircraft that uh, is assigned to the FAA. Usually when we use it, that's because uh, for me to travel uh, with staff, uh, turns out to be cheaper than buying all of those airline tickets. Yeah, he said that, but that's not true. it's because of a security or logistical issue. But the number one reason we would use that agency aircraft is uh, that it actually works out to be less expensive for taxpayers. No, that's not really true. I mean, that's the that's the thing he was claiming that it was, but then it came out that it's actually not. Uh, welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Bottom of our second hour. That's personal time Pete Buttigieg. He is now apparently under an IG investigation because he's he's flown on private government jets 18 times since he took office. And this is after, you know, the Department of Transportation spokesperson, his spokesperson said, oh, well, he flies commercially, you know, all the time. No, he doesn't. He used uh, he used government planes, 18 flights over seven for 18 flights over seven trips. And he said it was less expensive. But the it's not necessarily true because it was over 41, almost forty two thousand dollars in flights. That's crazy. That's insane that we know that. No, come on. We know better. And so he goes, I'm glad this is being reviewed independently so that uh, what did he say? So misleading narratives can be put to rest. not really sure that i don't think he means that (laughs) but he the thing is though is that you know according to this you know ig report because his own spokesperson was saying that oh he flies commercial don't worry but we know that he used for instance like when he went uh he went uh with uh, his partner chastin to go see some sports thing in over in europe there have been other lawmakers that have questioned his use of private jets and he, the department told uh, Grassley, Charles, uh, Chuck Grassley out of Iowa, because he was like, wait a minute, what am I hearing about all these flights? And he reached out to the FAA and he reached out to the Department of Transportation, et cetera, and was asking. And they said, oh, well, you know, it's limited in specific cases. It maximizes efficiency. It saves. But it doesn't. What do you, you think that they get less? They get gas cheaper than all of you? Yeah, doubtful. He says, I fly on commercial flights. You know, when I do, it's an economy. But we already know that he's been using the private flights to go and do things that 
are not necessary. He doesn't need to do. What did he went and saw? What was it? Prince Harry, whatever that ginger, wah, that guy. We want our privacy. That guy. Uh, we. He went and watched one of those things that he does or something like. I don't remember. He is just. There's no way that he's going to get himself out of this. He just looks like he's. You know, he looks like Bob the Builder out there. He does. And he's been. Well, I hope. I'm so glad. I hope that these. I hope that it's going to be be uh, put to rest. Uh, you know these these misleading narratives. But he's really and he's very concerned about this because it makes him look even worse. This was the guy who who had his bike in the back of an SUV. Remember that whole video? Somebody caught him that he was in this SUV and the SUV drove up. This was in D.C. Drove up and then he. Somebody got out. He didn't even get his own bike out the back. Somebody else got out, got his bike out and put it down for him like he was a toddler going to get on a bike. I was shocked they didn't have training wheels on it. And then he gets out and pedals over. Looks like he's on his bicycle. I just can't believe someone made the point that he is the first controversial secretary of transportation in U.S. history. I mean, and that is true. I started thinking about that. That is a department where it shouldn't be controversial. I mean, I don't think it should exist, but that's me. I'm very Article 1, Section 8. I am more limited government than Republicans, which is why I call myself a conservatarian. But that is, if you're going to just, if you're going to have the department, shouldn't that be the most boring department you have? I've made this point before. Yeah, and Kane notes, he's more incompetent than he is controversial. Juan just thinks he wants to be controversial so he can stay relevant. I think those are both valid points. They're incredibly valid points. So a couple of other things. I uh, spoke with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday on the show, and you can see the that interview, that discussion. We'll have him back to talk about stuff, too, because I especially want to discuss the whole constitutional carry thing going on in Florida. Florida is an interesting state. Now, I remember back after Parkland, because... Just because I want you to remember, just because you have a Republican or more Republicans and Democrats in the state legislature. Now, back, you know, four years ago, there were a lot of Republicans in the state legislature. But just because someone's a Republican doesn't. I mean, hi, you see Mitt Romney, right? In Texas, we have a major, you know, Republican legislature. But there's a lot of stuff that they don't do. So it's not a guarantee. Now, I will say in the four years in the past four years, they have grown demonstrably more conservative, like legit constitutional Republicans, but not all. You still have some more moderate areas in Florida where you're going to find some pushback from Republicans on some more on, on some certain issues. So we, DeSantis was on and we talked over everything from Reedy Creek and I asked him about constitutional Carrie, now there are some people out there who I are I believe are questionably motivated, but there are some people out there who uh, are trying to like they were making the assertion that uh, that he, somehow he signed the red flag law or something in Florida. Rick Scott was the governor when that passed, and Rick Scott was the individual who signed the red the red flag portion. And I was talking to a friend of mine who is works uh, does some lobbying in, in Tallahassee uh, and they were telling me that 
you know, at the time when that was happening, there was, it was a major slap fight. And that it was all with the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas commission and that people were trying to get this commission and that Democrats were insisting you have to have this to get this. And that some of the weaker Republicans at the time had compromised on that. And that is ultimately how that ended, ended up. It got really weird there for a little bit in Florida. And it's weird because that's the state that first had concealed carry introduced concealed carry. And look, the crime rate went down. Crime rate has continued to go down. They're like a 50 year low for crime in Florida. I just was looking at this the other day. So with constitutional carry, I get the sense that it's sort of the same thing because I was asking my friend this. I said, and we're actually going to talk to somebody with Gun Owners of America because I like talking to people who have like who have their lobbyists right there in the Capitol. So what my understanding was, because I was asking a friend of mine, the legislature has changed significantly. So now it's more conservative and there are more things. I don't think that this today's legislature, I don't think that they would have passed red flag. Passing red flag and then repealing red flag, I think are two different things. I don't even like the fact that you have to go through that process because I think it's just an absolute abridgment of a natural right. But I digress. That's, you know, part of the issue, but it's also can be, you know, kind of a separate discussion as well. So I was asking my friend about this and I was saying, well, the way that I was understanding it with constitutional carry in Florida, you can concealed carry without a permit, but open carry is still not allowed. And my understanding is that there are still some Republican lawmakers and, some, and, and members of Florida state legislature that are in some of these more purpley areas who are resistant to giving that part up. Like they want to go so far to make some of their voters happy, but to maintain their seats in that purple area, they don't want to go all that way. I mean, it's literally, it's a piece of cloth, but. I mean, I'm right with you on this. I'm like, it's a piece. What, do you think that magically having it under your T-shirt is going to somehow make it? I mean, it's just so it's a it's stupid semantics is what it is. But there's a level of strategery and gamesmanship apparently happening there. And and I don't and Kane and I were talking about this, too. I mean, I know some people I, I don't I don't think whether or not you would rather conceal carry or open carry is even part of the discussion. I mean, you should be able to carry it however you want to. It just is funny to me that some of the members of the Florida state legislature think that a piece of cloth is going to somehow be the difference. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's kind of what that. So that's what I've been hearing now. Additionally, on the red flag issue. There were. I, and I don't know where people get this from. And I understand, and I want to caution you on stuff. I mean, I'm always upfront with people on the candidates that I like. And I always go, uh, I, usually, I mean, I go with the, with the candidate and the general. I mean, heaven forbid, no one wants a Marxist in the White House. However, I'm just not going to be gaslit by people who know less on this issue than me. I'm not. And if I, there's something I don't know, I go to somebody who will know it, and I'll bring that person in front of you. Because I've, you I mean, come on, you, when you got a lot of skin in the game and you've taken a lot of knocks for it, you make sure that you're damn right on, the, on certain issues so that when you speak on them, you know them. And I also think that I owe that to all of you. So this, there's this argument going, or this, art, this, this issue being pushed forward that somehow the that DeSantis was in favor of red flag law, which is weird. And we're, I'm getting this video because it's on Facebook and Steve's got it. He's like on video campaigning against them. It's odd. I mean, I've got, there were, and CNN was railing on him at the time. This was back in 2018. By the way, I found this thing literally within three seconds on Google. I Google searched it on the internet. Super simple. I know it's, um, it's, it's wild how those things are hidden out open and public like that so they said that when he was a candidate in 2018 DeSantis opposed 
the gun restrictions in the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Public Safety Act. And he actually told the, the Florida Sun Sentinel that he would have vetoed it. And then he was on camera uh, at, a, at an event uh, campaigning against red flag law. So we're going to get that. I'm going to get that isolated and we'll post that. We'll, it's like an hour. It's like over an hour long. Again, it took three seconds of a Google search to find this. And there's a whole bunch more of him out there actually opposing. So I don't understand why people are saying that he was in favor of them. Now, he's also the governor of Florida. The way that I look at this, and, I, and this is why, again, I go back and I ask my friend, I said, okay, so be straight with me here. Why hasn't it been repealed? And my friend said, well, it's not like that hasn't been brought forward, but there are some Republicans who will absolutely not go for that in the state legislature, and that there has been a considerable amount, amount of time spent whipping votes and trying to get them to move in that direction. So, and that is the, that's the process. And like I said, I don't like that there's a process for a natural right, because I just consider anything that's abridging a right, that's an unnatural process, not a natural process. But I don't think that they're, they're not gonna, I mean, he can call for something and try to demand that it be passed, but if you have a number of Republican lawmakers in Florida that aren't gonna do it, then it's gonna die on the vine. And with a lot of these instances, you get you get one chance every few years to do it. And you want to make sure that you do it right and you get it done. You don't want to have to. And especially on this issue, I do think that it will be repealed. I don't know if it'll happen this legislative session, but I do absolutely think it'll be repealed at some point, especially because the Florida state legislature has gotten so much more conservative. It's good that they're getting constitutional carry. Maybe they can change the point about the cloth being over it. But I will say this. I am definitely not going to take lectures about this from anyone who backs candidates who said the, the quote, uh, first take the guns, then due process. I sure as hell am not going to get lectured to by anybody who's professionally standing for a candidate who wanted to ban bump stocks. And I sure as hell am not going to take any kind of lectures or missives from anyone who professionally stands for a candidate who also wanted to go out and ban suppressors. So I'll do this all damn day. If you got a question, feel free to ask me. But I'm telling you something, don't ever assume something about me without receipts. Now, we have Florida man on the way. And a whole bunch more coming up. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. All righty. So first up, oh, this is so bad. This woman does not know how to do winged eyeliner either. Uh, in her mugshot, Kane sent this. He found this. You see her her eyeliner? It lo- it just is bad. I feel like she needs to watch a YouTube t- tutorial. So CBS 12, Florida deputies removed 10 grams of meth from a woman's... Um, oh, boy. Stop it. You can't say things like that. Golly. From a body cavity. Uh, it was a routine traffic stop. Was being the operative word there, uh, Flagler County Sheriff's Office, deputies say they found a bunch of drugs in the car and other places. And Anthony Pezza and Tiffany Chapman, they apparently had plans to distribute meth and a bunch of other stuff. So they were asked to exit the vehicle. They were asked if any narcotics were in their possession. They both said no. Then when cops searched the vehicle, they found all kinds of drug stuff, right? And prescription bottles and everything else. And then while they were sweeping the vehicle, that's when Chapman said that she had drugs in her 
quote unquote body cavity, which suggests to me that that's not what she said entirely. So according to deputies, a female deputy was requested and assisted Chapman with removing the drugs from her body cavity. Deputies found 10.8 grams of meth in her body cavity. Chapman was taken to the Sheriff Perry Hall inmate detention facility on charges of trafficking amphetamine, uh, narcotics, all kinds of stuff, and with the, with the intent to sell, manufacture, and distribute. Ugh. And then I'm sure the female deputy had to burn her hands off. Um, let's see. This is a great Florida man story. A uh, uh, retired Marine finds a missing Florida boy safe in the woods in Brooksville, uh, Florida. Retired U.S. Marines being hailed as a hero Friday. He found a two-year-old boy who's been missing after he wandered out of his North Florida home a day earlier. Roy Link told Hernando County Sheriff's Office that he said a prayer about 10 minutes before he found him. They had 500 volunteers out there, and they were searching for Joshua J.J. Rowland, and Roy Link found him. He said, all I did was listen, and he heard him, and he ended up... tracked down where he had went to and found him and now the kid's safe that's awesome that congrats to that bet stay with us we have a lot more in store third hour on the way oh uh i know most of those songs for a simple reason as my buddy from delaware can tell you when you're involved in the civil rights movement as a kid in high school i Again, used to go down to the us? black church i go to 7 30 mass i'm a practicing catholic then i go to 10 o'clock and then we sit and plan what we're going to do in terms of decent you think i'm joking i'm not I did actually think you were joking, but you thought he was lying. Or it's called lying. One of the two. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you, ladies and gents. Always enjoy our time together. You can listen from sea to shining sea across these fruited plains, and you can also watch the simulcast of the show uh, on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, as well as uh, Channel 349 on DirecTV. So he just really really wrapped up like history month in his own little spectacular fashion did he not good heavens in the meantime we have supreme court going to be fighting over college debt they're hearing arguments on that and then you also have and i just want to hit this real quickly you also have janet yellen audio soundbite 12 while that's happening wanting more of our money to go to ukraine listen and today I'm proud to announce the transfer of an additional amount of over $1.2 billion. That's the first tranche of about $10 billion in direct budget support that the United States will provide in the coming months. Okay. Well, yep. We're just, it's just another $1.2 billion, Kane. Said, what? oh man, nobody. So while she's in Kiev, she pledges. So is that in addition to what was it? You have the four, 44 million for Yemen that Blinken wants. Biden already pledged another couple billion uh, last week. 10 billion. And that's yeah, yeah. apparently this 1.2 billion she's talking about is part of that 10 billion pack. Yes. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a, I mean, for what? At what point is enough enough? At what point is enough enough? I mean, I would really like to see some of these some of these lawmakers actually, you know, focus on the issues that matter. Like, for instance, we talked a little bit about this uh, throughout the program. This really unbelievable piece. If you read, if you are a, a subscriber to Chapter and Verse, I send you my radio prep, and you have this in your radio prep. 
rare when I send when I send links from some of these outlets, either I'm making fun of them, which I usually note, or they've done a rare thing of doing very good journalism. Now there's some good journalists, and I'm saying this because I know a couple of them at the New York Times who loathe the fact that they write and share, you know, all under the masthead with partisans. But there is every now and then some very good journalism done, and this was one of them, one of these pieces. Think about the time that AOC went down to the southern border and she was all in white. Did she go with the squad or was it just her and her little retin- I don't retinue? I the squad of- was there, but she had, you know, her entourage. Yeah, yeah. And she, it was a weirdly angled photo, if you remember, because she was there by this chain link fence and you never got to see what was on the other side of the chain link fence. It was just her on the outside of this chain link fence. And she was holding on to it and crying. And then there was another shot of her with her hand over her face and she's bawling and all this stuff. And this was at the time, this was under the Trump administration. She was freaking out over the uh, detainment of families that illegally crossed into the country. And then they had a separation of the child from the parents. Now, the reason why they were separating the children from the parents, it was a continuation of this rule that was under the Obama-Biden administration, they decided when they opened up the floodgates to the completely unsecured southern border that they would, you know, at the bare minimum, they'll make sure that the children coming over with the adults are actually children of the adults because there was this uh, major problem with child sex sex trafficking that exploded. And they, I mean, this was all with the Flores Amendment. If you brought a child over, you were processed faster through the system. And so all these people started bringing kids over. And so here AOC is down there. What you don't see on the other side of the fence is a parking lot. She acts like she was at the zoo for unaccompanied, illegally entered kids in the United States. And she stands outside the fence and acts like it's a zoo. There was literally there were cars on the other side. It was a parking lot. She just did this for a photo op. Now, she has not been back down there since. And you would think that she, if she cared so much about these kids, along with other Democrats, that they would be. Because in the past two years alone, because of Biden's entirely open, unsecured border, you've had half a, well, a quarter of a million kids that have illegally entered the United States on their own. And this New York Times piece says that it has now become a major child labor problem. And there are no sources say in this piece, it is everybody on record even people in the administration. Here, I wanted to play, well, we're gonna get, the, get that Becerra audio ready because I'm gonna call for it here in a moment. So as they were speaking to all of these third-party contractors, so there are government contractors that would build these like uh, uh, tents processing areas and these, uh, I guess, makeshift dormitories for all these kids coming over. And some of these third-party contractors stopped working with Health and Human Services, because as more and more kids crossed illegally uh, through the southern border, Health and Human Services was demanding that they process these kids faster and release them faster into the interior of the United States. Now, these third-party contractors were saying, wait a second, we're not even vetting who we're releasing them to. You know, you all said that this was about kids, but you're not even vetting to whom you're releasing them. In fact, they found an inordinate amount of children were released to people that weren't even actually their parents or relatives. And that's a scary thing. It's three times higher now than what it was five years ago. There's going to be another wave this summer. 
and Health and Human Services under this administration, they all promise they're going to make sure we're responsible for ensuring sponsors will support them. They get a sponsor and they are released to their sponsor. Now, some of these these parents, they uh, were talking about one girl, uh, one girl in here. She's like, I think, 13 or 14 years old. She crossed illegally into the United States by herself. And then she got uh, fast track through processing per Health and Human Services. They contacted her sponsor and it was like an aunt that she has not seen. And the aunt was reluctant to take her because she had already taken four other kids, sponsored four other kids. And she had two kids of her own and they were not rich and she didn't even know this girl. And so there, I mean, that's the situation with some of this. So they get these kids through and they send them to their sponsors and then their sponsors need money. They're in debt to the cartels that help get them through and then they got to pay their sponsors. So you have kids that are working largely from Central America, working, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. You got 12 year old roofers in Florida and Tennessee. There have been deaths of kids like falling off of roofs and getting killed in some of these factories. I'm not kidding you. I mean, there's photos and everything. I mean, not of the but there's this is a really well done piece all because of Biden's policies. And they said that, too, migrant child labor, illegal child labor benefits both under the table operations and global corporations. So J. Crew, they were having in Los Angeles, they had a lot of these illegally entered children stitching made in America tags into J. Crew shirts. Baking dinner rolls sold at Walmart and Target. Processing milk used in Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Deboning chicken sold at Whole Foods. Making Fruit of the Loom socks in Alabama. Making auto parts used by Ford and General Motors in Michigan. Now, speaking of you know, making the Ford and the assembly lines, I want you to listen. This was this is Xavier Becerra. He is with Health and Human Services. And it is on his watch and by his demand, he said that he wanted this process faster. So what he said, and this audio we're going to play for you, this was a Zoom call that he had with his agency workers. And he was demanding that they pass these kids through faster. Listen to what he said about this. If Henry Ford had seen this in his plan, he would have never become famous and rich. This is not the way you do an assembly line. And, and kids aren't widgets. I get it. But we could do far better than this. Wow. Kelsey Kaswani was an HHS contractor in Arizona. And she her job was to connect these kids with these sponsors. And she said uh, that the kids all have a debt to pay off. They have to work immediately to pay off the debt. And she said a majority were sent to acquaintances, strangers, you know, things like that. And that, and it gets even crazier, 250,000 entered in the past two years. Of those, something like over 85,000 they haven't been able to contact, and a third of those they have lost all contact with. And they, they, these contractors were blasting Xavier Becerra. They said that Becerra pushed for faster results, asking why they couldn't discharge kids with machine-like efficiency. And that's where you hear that sound bite. They said Becerra told his staff to, quote, step it up. And you're going to get axed if you don't. What Democrats have created here is indentured servitude. 
You have children who are coming in across the border illegally because they know they're going to get processed faster. And then they, they're in these factories. Democrats, they claim to bear such compassion for these kids, but yet they invite more and more every year to enter illegally because of their open border policies. You know what really makes me angry? They advertise this, the great American dream. And they promise to pay for it. Like they promised to rent moratorium or free college or they weren't going to cut Medicaid and all of this other stuff. They lie to serve their purpose. And when their purpose is served, then the people that they used are discarded. And when people flood into the country through the non-existent southern border now, you know, they're promised this land of milk and honey and they find themselves kids who are illegally crossing sold into indentured servitude. And that practice is entirely brought to you by Joe Biden, his administration, and the Democrat Party. You got kids stuffing Cheerios bags in boxes, inhaling flaming hot Cheeto dust, all of this. Sewing those tags into J. Crew, which is the preferred clothing. Michelle Obama loves J. Crew. How is this compassion? And, you know, they're separated from their parents. There's your child separation policy. You don't see AOC crying over this, do you? And they think Democrats believe that it's meaner to say you can't come in. But they think that somehow this is better, more compassionate. To have the corporations that support their policies and the open border take advantage of illegally entered you know, minors and use them for cheap labor. And they think that this is somehow better. They have no, they never go back and check. They have no idea. They just disappear into the interior of the United States. And a third are never heard from again. That's supposed to be better. This is what their policies have brought us. And now when you got people at the New York Times going, wait, 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 how is this compassion? That says something. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, we were talking about how I actually have never been to Disney when we were talking about that on break. It's still, I haven't been. We'll talk, we'll, we'll get into more. Uh, also, let's get into this. Uh, first and foremost, this, pulling this up, a whistleblower says that they, that the... DOJ, to whom he gave pretty damning information where it concerns Joe Biden's business deals, that uh, they're just sitting on it. Gal Luft is threatening to name names after being detained on what he claims are politically motivated charges. It's an Israeli think tank. This comes from uh, Chuck Ross over at the Washington Free Beacon. This is a pretty big story. Uh, He is the co-director of a Washington-based institute, Analysis for Global Security. He said he provided info about Hunter Biden, his dad, his uncle, Jim Biden, the whole fam damnly to the the DOJ back in March of 2019. And he was also, he said, Luff was an advisor to CEFC, China Energy. They align themselves with the CCP, so you don't even know who's who. And he's he's trying to blow the whistle on this. And he says, the DOJ is trying to bury me and the story. And a lawyer for Luff claims his client provided information about Hunter Biden to the FBI even back in 2019. See, this is why you need this oversight. You Because they're not, they're, they're not going to look at this. They're going to wait it out until Biden's out of office. A driver was pulled over in Lansing, Michigan while going 156 miles per hour. A 33-year-old man was pulled over 
This is uh, according to Michigan State Police last Sunday, driving a 2020 Dodge Charger. He was stopped on I-496 near East Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. He was driving on a restricted license. So, yeah, you're if you're on restricted license and you're already under scrutiny, definitely going 156 miles per hour is going to get you noticed. Just going to say. Maybe that's not the right thing to do. A woman bites off her rapist's tongue and hands it to police as evidence. In France, a woman was walking her dog early, early, early in the morning, 57 years old. She was a victim of sexual assault. Uh, a man in his 30s started following her. He tried to approach her, tried to forcefully hug her. Try, I mean, try, was really trying to fondle her. And uh, she bit off his tongue and returned home. Handed her son the tongue and they went to the police. And so he is, they found him. He's facing immediate trial. And he's going to have to leave France because he's from Tunisia. So he's actually in the country illegally. Tried to attack her and she bit his tongue off and he's never going to forget that. Mm. We have more in store. Stay with us. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Climate, climate is not nonsense. Dealing with climate change is one of the biggest things that people like me and people like him will be remembered for after we're gone. I'm sorry. What? That is a personal time, Pete. I was going to play the Bob the Builder song, but I was thinking about it, but I'm like, I can't because I'll, I'll end up hating any music done in major if I play that too much. Uh, welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. Bottom of our third hour. He is like a little Dukakis, isn't he? He is. Lil Dukakis. Oh, if he, was a, if he was a rapper, that could be his name. Lil Dukakis. And he comes out in his YMCA construction gear. I'm just, you know, that's just saying. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's in his tooling. I, uh, I don't think anybody's going to remember him from, for anything except being a stooge. Being a controversial person in department of transportation i mean it's the most it should be a boring government job if you're going to have it then it should be boring there should not be any bureaucrat who's controversial but unfortunately everything is partisan and people pass these positions out to their friends and people to whom they owe favors they pass them out and you end up with something like this it should not be it shouldn't exist but if it's going to exist it should at the very least it shouldn't be controversial I mean, you know, it's 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 kind of now before uh, we went to break, we were uh, I had the the headline about how you have the DOJ that was I'm going to pull this up. You have the DOJ that was sitting on this thing about Hunter Biden, all of this information. Now you have the House Oversight Committee. This comes from a couple of different sources. The House Oversight Committee is looking into all of the anytime that they've communicated all their financials, everything related to the Biden family business with Ukraine and China and everywhere else. I mean, I mean, at least they seem to the, the Treasury Department has not turned anything over. The DOJ has been sitting on this. Janet Yellen's too busy trying to tell people that we need to give more bill, more billions to Ukraine. And so far, she has not helped the House of Representatives at all in their quest to try to get some records or even give them any kind of answer as to, well, OK, uh, when can we have said records? When is this going to happen? So James Comer sent a letter. This is from his website, uh, his House website. He sent a letter 
uh, to the uh, Treasury, telling them that they're operating in bad faith. He said the committee has been trying to investigate and they're obstructing it. Quote, during the committee's dialogue with the Treasury, you've made several excuses for Treasury's delay regarding this production. And given the amount of time that has passed since our initial request and the Treasury's inability to provide a projected time frame when these suspicious activity reports will be produced, the committee believes Treasury may be delaying its production to hinder our investigation and operating in bad faith. So he's demanding that they testify on March 10th about their failure to produce the documentation that has been requested. Now, Isabella Moore, who is the Assistant Secretary for Oversight, she had said uh, in regards to Comer's letter, quote, This entire process takes considerable time to complete. They're just saying that it is It's a really, it takes a long time. The documents are sensitive. Quote, they have to meet with law enforcement partners. Okay, this oversight committee is law enforcement. So they are doing everything they can to protect them. Just in the event that Joe Biden's the nominee. I think the moment that Joe Biden decides he doesn't want to run, then they're going to, then they'll go at him. Or they'll, they're not going, they won't protect him as much, I, I believe. They won't protect him as much unless other people who are still in office and important to whatever purpose they, they want to fulfill, unless those people, they still need to protect those people. Sometimes politicians run to prevent themselves from legal action. Just saying. Now, I still don't, I just, I, they still, do you know how they still don't have anyone? Notice, one of the things that Joe Biden should be doing, even if he wasn't going to run, and, and he's, I, strategically if he says he wasn't going to run and he was just going to do these four years then republicans could just wait him out wait till biden's out and then do all everything and that would so depress down ticket so they they there's a strategy to them him not really saying any you know thing he's not i don't even think he's like fundraising really he's not really doing anything He's definitely not going to help people who are, because this is the time that you would go out and start fundraising for other people. You know, if you have a war chest, you can, you know, share some of that war chest. That's why some some politicians travel and they do what they do, um, whether they're holding rallies somewhere or whether they're, you know, visiting different. That's that's kind of part of what it is. It's just weird because and Kamala isn't out there doing it either, nor, nor do you see them if he wasn't going to run. He's not like they're not grooming anybody to take his spot. The other thing that I've noticed that Democrats are not doing is they they don't do events where they get other leaders together. And if the Republicans do it and the media tries to bait everyone into thinking they're planning and scheming when it's actually not that at all. It's there you're there. You have different entities that are trying to help encourage other lawmakers to maybe, you know, consider to, you know, th- if they or kind of test them out after meeting them in person to see if they have what it takes to run for higher office. I I will tell you this, because this 2024 cycle, I don't want the primary to be horrific. I think that we should be happy that we have so many people that are so much better than anything the Democrats have. I mean, honestly, 
Now, not everybody's your cup of tea, right? Not everybody's going to be your cup of tea, but it's still a better cup of tea than what they, they don't even have tea. It's an empty, broken cup. They don't even have anything. But I do think, I always thought it was weird. I'm going to, I'll caution you with this. Be careful of anybody, especially over a year out before primary, who demands that you bend the knee. Be wary of any politician who demands fealty and be wary of anyone who demands fealty of you for anybody else. I mean, we are not a damn monarchy. We fought a war to be able to make these choices for ourselves. It is incredibly important to do so. Question anybody who demands that your vote doesn't have to be earned that you have to pledge fealty. Every politician, every election has to earn your vote. I don't care who they are. Remember, these people work for you. They're auditioning for you. Never get that twisted. That's why I don't fawn over politicians. I'll ask them questions. When they're wrong, I'll go at them. And when they're right, I'll say so. And the other thing too Do not take the media's bait and do not take grifter operatives bait. There are a lot of bad operatives out there. Do not take their bait. Just because you share something from one candidate isn't the same thing as hating another candidate. I mean, I get, like I said, people are trying to tie everything up. But again, no one gets to demand fealty from you. You are the one who gets to demand fealty from these politicians. I mean, we're a republic. That's what this is all about. Do not get baited into thinking that it goes the other way. Now, some of the other things that we have here to get into. Although we got, there's such a lot. This, let me pull this back up. Because we have hit, and that immigration piece you do have out. Someone asked me about that. Yes, that is on the newsletter. You absolutely do have that on the newsletter. I'm going to share this too. I saw this over Daily Caller has a very interesting piece on this. China is approving new coal plants at a super fast pace because the Biden administration is now pushing. This is what you always got to watch what they're doing when your eyes are on something else. They're pushing to shut more down. So just at, towards the end of last year, China approved their 168th coal plant fired power plant it is being described as the most rapid expansion of their coal po- their coal fired power capacity since 2015 and that is from uh, this global monitoring agency called the center for research on energy and clean air their, the companies began constructing 50 gigawatts worth of coal fired power capacity in 2022 more than triple the rest of the world put together And spiking 50% from 2021. Now, if you compare that, Daily Caller notes, to Biden's uh, Taxation Inducement Act, that's going to essentially retire 30 gigawatts to 60 gigawatts of U.S. cold fire power plants by 2030. So it's going to make it really, really difficult for coal to compete with any kind of renewable energy. The problem is, though, is that renewable energy especially the how they want to do this, it's going to be very, very difficult to source it and it's going to be very, very expensive to afford it because China has a monopoly. 
Now, one of the things that was noted is that China is the exception. Everyone sits here and talks about reduction in global pollution, et cetera. The way that the United, the United States went about this like 20 years ago, and we produce, we're able to run our coal-fired power plants so much cleaner than anybody else's. And we did that without government mandates government came in and then like this effort to you know try to run them out of business then decided to do it you know to to set these 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 uh markers and put push forward this regulation but china everyone blames like the united states blames themselves and then ignores china i mean they're permitting plants they surge they're all over and they're helping us transition to that green new joke not sustainable. And, and if everybody did, if everybody had the all electric or whatever, everything, there's not enough. There's not enough material in the world to actually make that happen. You realize this, right? I mean, oil and gas are these are these are replenishing and sustainable energies. That's the other thing that's not ever appreciated enough. I mean, oil is part of the planet. It, it makes more oil. And that that China is doing this this fast. Now you can kind of see now, as I told you about with the Treasury investigation, why Janet Yellen and DOJ, they're very, very hesitant to share information with the House and through that with all of you so that you understand how much money the Bidens are making off these deals because they've been in business and energy with China. I mean, they get a reminder, they helped facilitate China's acquisition of one of the largest cobalt mines in the world, in the People's Republic of Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC. And that was just a few years ago, and that was actually one of the mines that ABC reported about, I think this was 2018, 2019, where they had widespread child labor. I mean, that's worth asking some questions, because energy is security, correct? So why is Janet Yellen doing everything that she can and with her, Merrick Garland and others at the DOJ to hide these associations. I mean, for all the talk of everybody else's tax returns, it's funny how they can't show their receipts. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I love L7. I wasn't all crazy about the whole riot girl, but movement of the 90s, but... That was cool. Welcome back to the program. We always got good bumper tracks, and I got stuff up at Spotify. That link's all in my link tree and all my social media profiles. And uh, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, Chapter, and Verse. Okay, so, you know, I'm trying to be cool about this because I can imagine it's hard for kids to see their dad sick. But it is weird to have a sitting senator in Walter Reed for what they said is going to be weeks and he's receiving treatment for clinical depression for weeks. I feel like we're not being told the full story. I, I, I mean, it seems as though I don't think I mean, I saw him at the State of the Union. He couldn't hear anything. He couldn't process it. He was confused. He looked like he was struggling health wise. I mean, maybe he, I, I mean, he, possibility he could have depression because he's struggling so much with his health. But to me, it sounds like this is a health issue and they're lying to everyone saying that it's about depression because that's but it's a sitting senator who we have no other we have no idea. All they're like, they just say, oh, he's moving full speed ahead. 
There's no, there's, he goes, quote, we don't have a lot to update folks with. It's kind of a big deal, right? And so the wife, his wife took the kids and went on vacation. And a lot of people, she's been posting photos of it and all of that. And a lot of people have been very critical. Now, let me look at, I put this a couple of ways. I mean, it can, it can be hard. That the, for the kids to see their dad like that, I get it. Lorraine tells me that the, the chat room believes that Fetterman is the opposite of alive. Yeah. I love how they put things. Uh, did she go out for privacy? That could be possible. She, I mean, I'll give, I'll give that benefit of the doubt because it's hard with the kids. But I do think she has to be aware of how she comes across on social media with stuff. And the fact that nobody has any update about him. We're going to talk more about this tomorrow. Today in Stupidity, Kane. All right, it's Karine Jean-Pierre. She's this your is, favorite. Uh, oh, she's always the favorite. Uh, she's saying that the last administration didn't have a comprehensive plan on COVID, except the plan that this administration displayed was not helpful. We'll put it that way. Listen to this. So a new Fox News poll shows that only 36% of voters approve of the president's handling of the economy. 31% approve of the inflation, the way he's handling inflation. Are voters just not getting the right message, or is there something wrong with the president's policies? So look... Okay, just so you know, she pivoted to COVID. Whenever she goes, so look, you know it's not going to be like the answer. Yeah. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, chapter and verse. Find us on YouTube, Facebook. Like and subscribe, folks. Back with you tomorrow. God bless.